Today is Wednesday, February 5th, 2020, and this is episode 245 of the Defensive Security Podcast. My name is Jerry Bell, and joining me tonight, as always, is Mr. Andrew Callett. What is this Wednesday thing? I know, Wednesday. it's crazy. It's like a time warp or something. All right, well, well hello, good evening, good morning, yes. wherever it is you are. Good day, good day, <laughs> you're in Australia. All right, so uh, yeah, we 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 um, we missed Super Bowl weekend, but we're here on Wednesday. We did, yeah, you know. And then I had a wedding to go to. Oh, that's right. Yes, yes. So it was actually my fault that time. That's right. All right. Well, but mm. you know what? Here we are. And sure. and and so since we're here, I do want to say thank you to our Patreon donors. Thank you very much. Ditto. You guys are uh, awesome. Also, a reminder that the thoughts and opinions that we express are ours and do not th- represent those of our employers. Uh, but for a large fee, they could. Yeah, or maybe not even that large. I don't, I don't know. I, I missed a bunch of work. I need some money. <laughs> <laughs> Just make up for it in volume, man. Come on. <laughs> oh, you've seen my wife's credit card. I mean, never oh, mind, Karen. Oh, jeez. All right. So... Um, I guess uh, just a, uh, one quick reminder that we will be at uh, B-Sides Orlando, which I think is on April 11th, if memory serves. Indeed. Uh, I mean, <laughs> I tried last year and things went sideways, but by God, I'm going to make it this year. Yeah, all, all systems go so far. So <laughs> if you are in the area and so motivated, uh, you can come and see us record a live show, the first live show ever of of uh, defensive sec that's true and uh besides atlanta our hometown of atlanta tickets went on on sale as it were uh, in waves i haven't gotten one yet but i'm going to so i do plan to attend besides atlanta holy cow i didn't even know that thank you oh. yeah uh, uh hang on i'll look up the date i should have known this it's at ksu again which is uh Kansas, Kennesaw State. Kennesaw State University. University. Uh, March 28th, 2020. Good deal. All right. So, um, so yeah, let's jump into some stories. And uh, so I'm, I'm calling this episode the, uh, the ransomware extravaganza. Just, just uh, so you know. I, what, I mean, ransomware. Yeah, well, right. But there's nothing going on there. Nothing, nothing at all. So our first story comes from bankinfosecurity.com. The title is Judge Rules Insurer Must Pay for Ransomware Damage. And uh, it's a pretty interesting story. The the deal here is that a company called National Ink and Stitch, which I think is a plastic surgeon that does uh, tattoos. Uh, they That was a joke, by the way. They, they're actually a... Uh, that, that they're not... You know, I'm not an expert, but if you have to tell somebody it's a joke... I I know, I know. I'm trying. I'm trying, okay? Yes, you are trying. I'm trying. Yes. So so the deal is, uh, back in 2016, National Inc. and Stitch uh, had a ransomware attack, 
Yeah, they suffered some damage. And now you're laughing at their damage. I'm not laughing at their damage. I'm laughing with their damage. Uh, they, they filed a claim against their business owner's insurance. Their business owner's insurance uh, really only covered physical loss. And uh, it, it's it's interesting in the in kind of in this the sequence of events, uh, the company here tried to pay the ransom. Don't know exactly what you know the amount of the ransom. Uh, then the, uh, the the threat actor demanded more money and ultimately did not uh, provide the ability to decrypt the files. And so, no honor amongst that thief. Yeah, yeah. Well, that. That's kind of the way that you kill the whole, you know, the, the whole deal, right? Yeah. If if you don't believe you can get your files back, you're not going to pay. Yeah. So so they um, so, so in response, they apparently loaded all of their computers up and threw them in the dumpster, and then uh, bought new computers to replace them. And so now they are, as far as I can tell, claiming that that constituted a physical loss. And as it turns out, a judge agreed. And I also find it pretty interesting. And I'm going to, I want to read this uh, kind of verbatim because I thought it was pretty funny. Uh, After national ink and stitch paid the ransom to the attackers in Bitcoin, cyber criminals demanded further payment to refuse and refused to unencrypt the software and data. The lawsuit says the company was then forced to replace the entire computer network and install protective software, which slowed the entire infrastructure down. Cool. Oh. oh yes! So oh. many antivirus jokes come to mind. Oh yes, and then the uh, the later in the in the story, the uh, the judge actually goes on to make a comment about how, as a result of this heinous crime, their computers are now slower because they have to run antivirus. <laughs> so, <laughs> uh, so they weren't uh, so much pain, pain and suffering. Yeah. And, so, so the, but there's two fascinating elements to the story. Number one is this is not cyber insurance, right? Which is true because you and I have often wondered how is it going to go when some of these cyber insurers and their customers start fighting in court, and how that how that's going to go. Now, this doesn't inform us of that. So, but it's an interesting sort of side methodology. Correct, and and it says that you know at least in in, in this this particular case that you know th- throw apparently throwing your computers away is a reasonable response and they, they actually kind of go through a couple of other examples and um y- you know what what troubles me a little bit is that uh you know this seem this it feels to me like you can i kind of um Draw draw a parallel to here in the in, in the south of the U.S. We get these bad hailstorms, right? If you get a bad hailstorm, you know you you can find uh, in the aftermath you can find these shady roofing companies that will come out and replace your roof and then bill your insurance company. And and I I, I can't help but thinking of us, you know, th- there's a I, I'm not accusing this company of doing that, but there seems to be a moral hazard here where companies can kind of let their networks go to crap, they get compromised, and then their insurance company is now on the hook for, you know, to pay for them to to upgrade. And that seems... Well, you know, 
a little wrong. Okay, but let's extrapolate that out into a more physical entity. Uh, you're in a known crime area. You don't secure your doors. You don't lock the doors. Somebody comes in, ransacks the place. Eh, oh, f- good point. Yep. Fair, fair point. Yep. So. Yeah, insurance it, will cover that. You're right. You're right. Touche. You know, well, there, there's. We're drifting towards do we blame the victim here for not doing the things that are obvious to us when at the end of the day it is a bad guy perpetrating a bad guy act on them. And we, you know, cyber is a weird world where, you know, we're. we're we are expected to do more in the cyber world than you might be in the physical world in some ways. Yeah, I guess I was on a, I was on a slightly different point. And the, the point I was on was, you know, it, it occurs to me that there's a, the, the peril here is that companies look to their insurance companies to pay, you know, to fund the upgrade. Not not to right. replace. That's true. You know, like <laughs> but true. you know, it, like there was a uh, the, here in Atlanta, right? The city of Atlanta had a famously had a very significant ransomware attack, and you know they I don't know what the final tally was, but it was in the tens of millions of dollars, and a lot of that money, as far as I'm aware, is you know paying for upgrades to their systems that they had been wanting to do for a long time, you know, moving things to the cloud and, and so on and so forth. And that's my point. You know, we're not just talking about, you know, bringing in pallets of, of replacement workstations. It's right. You know, like migrating from, you know, windows NT to windows 2019 or, or you know, whatever. So that's, that's the point I was on it. And, and I don't look, I don't know if that's, likely to happen but I, I it concerns me it does remind me of uh when you couldn't get a newer laptop after you've had yours for four or five years you would just forget it on the roof of your car as you drove away yeah bob told me that a better way is to put a heating pad under your laptop while you're working but then the cats will just swarm it <laughs> But they will already, so what is true? What do you have to lose? We do not recommend these techniques. These are merely educational yeah, for your entertainment I mean, if, only. It's totally hypothetical, you know, speculation. I have no idea. Don't try it at home. Absolutely. And I'll bet you I bet you a dollar their initial compromise came from a phishing email anyway. Yes. I, uh, almost certainly. Almost certainly. So um so the next story is a is kind of an interesting you know other side of the coin. The New York's uh, this is comes from ZDNet and the title here is New York State wants to ban government agencies from paying ransomware demands. Yeah, it's uh, this is a tricky one because I certainly am not a fan of paying ransomware, but it's nice to have that flexibility because you don't know the circumstances you might find yourself in. Yeah, and so so that's the that's one side, and I think the other side is, and I suspect this is what they're really hoping for. And by the way, this is not, you know, it, it's not clear that this will ever see the light of day. It's a it's a proposed bill that hasn't even you know, been. Uh, so I'm glad we're taking valuable time to talk about it. Uh yeah, whatever. So, <laughs> but it could be. <laughs> But it could be, um, you know, it's interesting that New York State has been one of the more active 
uh, states when it comes to different cyber regulations. So I, you know, it wouldn't be surprising if we start to see, you know, either them or other states or or countries start to implement similar uh, similar laws. But there, it, it occurs to me that there's an interesting uh, perspective to this because if you know if if you are a ransomware purveyor and you're out there trying to figure out who to target and you know your time is money and you know that you know a, a state government or a gov- you know some government entity in New York state is you know barred by law from paying a ransom you you know you're unless it's totally opportunistic you're going to be incentivized just to move on or you know your victims in New York can't report it because they know that they would get in trouble if they paid you. So maybe you're more likely to get away with it as they pay you and they can't tell anybody. Yeah, but if if it were um, if this law were intended to apply to private organizations, I would agree with you on that. Totally right. agree. It'd be tough for a state organization to free up the money, but I like my paranoid delusions, okay? <laughs> I no, you're absolutely right. If 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 that were if that were applied to the private sector, I think it would drive ransomware payments completely underground. But this is a tough one because think about it in the case of a hospital. Uh, let's go worst case scenario. Hospital is it happens to be a state owned, state run hospital, not a private institution. In this example, mm-hmm. they get popped with ransomware and they are down and they can't even treat patients. And people's lives are on the line. And they have to shut down their ER and send people elsewhere and cancel surgeries. And, you know, maybe it makes sense for them to pay. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I you know, that's certainly the, the, the unintended consequence. Right. And it also, by the way, um, works against our growing empire of, um, of Bitcoin ATMs for, uh, you know, for lobbies. That's true. That it really does. Yeah, we 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 don't want that. So, all right. Uh, moving on to the next story, which comes uh, yet again from BankInfoSecurity.com, and the title is uh, NIST. It's not an IST, as I've been told. It's NIST drafts guidelines for coping with ransomware. Maybe now, they should draft some di- guidelines of pronouncing their name, and I, you should read it. <laughs> obviously. Obviously, you are right. So, um, so NIST has pr- uh, produced two different guides, and these are draft. They're open for public comment. Uh, public comment ends on February twenty sixth. Uh, the the two documents one one is named Data Integrity: Identifying and Protecting Assets Against Ransomware and Other Destructive Events, and the other document is Data Integrity: Detecting and responding to ransomware and other detect, uh, destructive events. So you know, they, they, um, the, the one is obviously on the you know, preventive side and the other is on the detective and response side. And, uh, they're, they're, so I have to, a funny story, right? Each one is close to 600 pages long. And I, and I opened the first one up and I started scrolling through and I had an anxiety attack from a, a certain time when I was stuck with uh, with NIST 853, which is also a very Ooh. long document. But, you know, it, after I kept scrolling a little bit, it's actually pretty good. Yeah, yeah, I would agree. I read it. I'll, I'll, nothing earth-shaking. 
nothing that we haven't talked about a thousand times. But a good, concise list of recommendations. Yeah, and then and then they have uh, implementation guides, like on how to, you know, they they basically early in the in the documentation they per, they they um, present a, what what I would refer to as a reference architecture, right? Right. And and then later they have how to guides on, you know, actually like screen by screen how to configure different technologies to implement that, uh, you know, that. Uh, reference architecture, uh, which is not something I've normally seen in in a document like this. So it's it pretty no, but pretty good. To be to be as transparent as we can be, there were a lot of infosec vendors who were involved in the creation of this document. There is very specific tools that are mentioned, but that doesn't take away from the validity of the overall overall approach and architecture they meant they talk about and i think it's good and you know the other thing that i like about having something like this is even if you walk in to your boss and you have all the same ideas coming in and saying hey look it's from nist yeah it carries a lot of weight right? yeah it, it can smooth over that conversation it's more defendable it's more relatable to non-technology executives uh that it's a government recommendation and and it's a lot easier for them to stand behind yeah, the, the the preceding information is is not applic- uh, applicable to entities in the European Union, though, as I found. Well, I, fair, but I mean, the technology is <laughs> still the technology. No, I know. I, I just I've had some interesting discussions with uh, Europeans about NIST. So uh, they, NIST. they they have uh, yeah they have uh, interesting views. They think they think NIST is nasty. Uh, yeah. Yeah, well, not not NIST per se, but you know that NIST is in cahoots with the U.S. government, and the U.S. government is is uh, is yucky. Do they tell you to go away, or they'll taunt you again? Yes, they will fart in my general direction. Yes, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. that's right. Uh, so, um, you know, the other thing that occurred to me was uh, again, I haven't gone through all. 1100 pages of uh, of juicy goodness in these documents slacker i know right I, I i tried but sometimes i have to earn money for my family mm-hmm. so, which one you've got like three of them now all of them yeah it's, it's, it's why it's even more important mm, fair so uh yeah <laughs> oh Gosh, you made me lose my train of thought. I'm sorry. No, no. So uh, it, it occurred to me that um, a, you know, the, the, there's a lot of discussion about Active Directory, which I, 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 I of course love, but it occurs to me that if these documents are too good, they're going to be eating into the profits of uh, m- many consulting companies. Well, yes, but migrating from your existing model to a reference architecture is non-trivial. That's and true. That, That's true. That, that is where the consulting dollars can be found. So maybe it will, in, yeah, maybe it will incentivize more, uh, more companies to, to, to take the leap and then they're going to realize they're in over their head and need some help. So fair enough. Then the 28 point plan. <laughs> yes. Yes. With the busload of, of uh, consultants straight straight out of college and we'll, a we'll bigger busload of project managers sorry well, look I'm you, not you need at least two project managers per worker so mm-hmm. i think it's a rule 
I think that's in the in the PMP training. That's what I've that's what I remember from PMP training. <laughs> so, did anything jump out at you that you did get a chance to read that was different, uh, different, or worth mentioning, or is it all the typical? sort of defensive stuff we always talk about. I thought it really interesting. And and again, I think this may be a, uh, you know, an artifact of the vendor participation, but there's a, uh, you know, pretty long, pretty lengthy section about uh, using worm drives, which I I didn't realize those were still a thing. Hmm. Um, So, so that there was that. And then the other, the other thing, and it's, it's more of a kind of an abstract concept, but, uh, the, doc, the the main document goes through a bunch of so they they lay out the reference architecture and then they go through a bunch of different use cases like somebody found a USB drive in the parking lot somebody got a phishing email with a an attachment you know and and they and they play out how the reference architecture helps um, so it's it's um, it's a bit like MITRE's framework and how it defends against certain attacks. Yeah, very similar. You're you're talking about the attack mm-hmm. framework. Yeah. Yep. Um yes, but more verbose. I mean, attack I think is is much more concise. This is like, you know, a, a you know, a, a series of narratives which is which is interesting and 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 probably useful to some people when they're trying to articulate how these, you know, how different types of attacks progress and and controls can help mitigate them. So so I think it would you know, it would be useful for maybe a couple of different uh, purposes. Um, you know, beyond that, it it was very much kind of standard fare, but in a you know in one tidy package, I guess is the way to look at it. And and Which of course, is, it's you know it's um it's, it's chock full of vendor goodness. So <laughs> <laughs> you know, you gotta. Yeah, I want to I want to read it more in depth, and maybe we'll revisit in future shows. If there's anything you know specifically worth talking about, and how they do the defensive alignment, because you know I that's important too. Is is getting into the details? Yeah, indeed. They they um so so like I said, they do talk a lot about how to you know, configure Active Directory. I didn't I didn't read all of the the details. By the way, if you're interested and have a you know laptop that's powerful enough there's a cool thing called detection lab if you if you search for the word detection lab in google all all one word you should end up at a github uh, site and it's actually a package that will build a virtual network on like uh, VirtualBox or or vmware with um with active with a couple of active directory servers a couple of workstations uh you know a splunk instance and some other stuff it's pretty cool um to play with and and uh so i've i've been actually playing with that and how to um make make active directory not quite so crappy the preceding ad was not sponsored by any one individual or company that was an unpaid solicitation on jerry's part yeah yeah well so detection lab is uh is free it's it's open source so so yeah it's all, it's all free. It, it actually downloads uh, evaluation copies of, uh, of of Windows installs, so you got to, you know, they're good for like 90 days, <laughs> and then you got to rebuild it. I never said my jokes were good. I just tried. It's okay. It's okay. I, I can relate. All right, so, so moving on to our, uh, our next story. 
Uh, this one comes from Ars Technica, and the title is, Dozens of companies have had data dumped online by ransomware ring seeking leverage. So this is um, this is a follow-up about the, the Maze ransomware group. And, uh, and it, it is interesting, by the way, we have in the past talked about Pensacola. Pensacola had a, it was pretty, uh, you know, pretty famously attacked by the, the Maze group back, I think, in December. And, um, you know, there was, it was interesting because uh, Maze has attacked other, you know, other organizations and dumped their data, but they only dumped metadata about Pensacola. And so now, Apparently, Maze has come come out and said that they are giving a gift to the city of Pensacola, and they are not going to actually dump uh, Pensacola's data. So I don't know exactly what transpired there, uh, but it I'm sure there is some story behind that. Uh, but they do the, the story does go on to say that um, that Maze has published uh, data for 27 different at least 27 different organizations, and then also. Uh, the article says that um, apparently, and this is, I'm assuming it's true, uh, none of those organizations have actually notified the, their customers the, of uh, the data breach. So, Ooh. Ouchie. Yeah, yeah, that is a little, it kind of stings. Hmm. So, um, you know, they, they go on to point out that, you know, this is in becoming... Um, you know, more common. Uh, we talked in the past about the Revil, Sodu, Nokibi. Uh, there's there was actually another story that you you sent to me, and I, you're probably not ready to talk about it. But that one, the title is um, it's Doppel a Doppelpamer ransomware gang threatens to dump victims' data. Uh, Doppelpamer is apparently a variant of the old Bitpamer, which uh, you know was kind of running around last year in previous years um but it has apparently you know there's a um they actually this in this article i'll I'll throw the link in to the show notes too uh there's a link to a um a graphic that shows the um you know the the market share of ransomware which i guess is uh, compiled by a company named coveware which i think is like the nielsen for ransomware which is an interesting company to work for i guess um, don't know exactly how you get that job, but that sounds pretty cool. Uh, I didn't realize that Sodu no Kibi is more pervasive than Ryak. I mean that um, I I've had a lot of dealings with Ryak, and um, I've never had any personal dealings with uh, with the other one. So kind of kind of interesting to see the you know the distribution. But the net point of that article, which is super long, by the way is that um, many of the ransomware gangs are actually adopting this technique. And so, you know, we, as we've talked about in the past. Yeah, we, we kind of predicted this when we saw it start. Look out. It's a good, yeah, it's a good idea. There's no reason the other guys won't, won't copy it. Um, but, hey, you know, if you can't decrypt and they dump it, you kind of get it back. That, you know, it's... I keep saying it, so they're going to stop doing this. That's, I'm it's, doing some reverse psychology. They're like, oh my god, he's right. We're giving their data for free. Stop it. It's yeah. like free consulting. It, it really is. It really is. I, I should start publishing my Bitcoin wallet. Yeah. Jeez. So yeah, um, 
I, I, but this, I mean, realistically, in all seriousness, this gets really ugly though, because now not only you're dealing with the ransomware, now you're dealing with a, a public data breach, right? And your data going out there that you're you're never ever ever going to get out of there. I mean, it's once it's in the wild, it's in the wild forever, right? Uh, so it's it's almost exponentially uglier now to do these things. Yeah, and you know it's it's also becoming kind of kind of perilous because in the past, you know, we we've talked about in years gone by, like, do you have to disclose uh, if if you're a healthcare organization in the U.S. and and you have PHI that gets you know ransomwareed, is that a reportable breach? The answer is yes. By the way, right. um, but it's but this makes it far more, you know. <laughs> It, it it removes any doubt uh, because uh, you know it's anyway the the, the stakes are increasingly uh, high. I I wonder where it goes from here though. I'm afraid to I'm afraid to, to, to well, pontificate about that. <laughs> if I had to take a guess, if I'm the bad guys, I'm going to start focusing on embarrassing information of the senior leadership team. And doing personal blackmail at that point. Some more, uh, like more surgical blackmailing, possibly, and mm-hmm. or M and A activity, or mm-hmm. you know, industrial espionage type activity. One, you know, rather than being spray and pray with this data, doing a little bit of analysis of the data, they could probably be a lot more damaging. So that that's my prediction of where they go next. It's a good point. If they know what they're in, if they if they do some analysis to figure out what's in there, and they may, you know, they may be able to make very pointed threats that would make the data, you know, worth more to keep private than it would otherwise seem. That's an interesting idea. Hmm. Yeah, uh, I mean, I should know, really, <laughs> I should really switch to the bad guy side. I'd make a lot more money. <laughs> But no, I mean, think no, of it. No. You're, you're the you're the chief executive, and suddenly they have evidence to uh, expose an affair you're having. You know, you might be a little more motivated to pay them. Yeah, yeah, that's that's certainly true. Um, oh, you know, although in a in a larger company, I, th- I think that gets more difficult Maybe. to do. Yeah, or or hey, you're about you know you're in the middle of M and A talks with a with another company and they're going to leak that to your main competitor. Yeah. You know, there's, there's all sorts of ways that they could turn the screws or, or insider trading. I mean, they, they, like, right. It's probably more, more than one way to monetize that information. So, um, it, it, there was another story that we didn't talk about, about how the, uh, the uh, apparently somebody who had been, uh, hacking Nintendo for a number of years was finally arrested. <laughs> pretty, pretty fascinating story. But you know that's sim. I mean, it's not exactly the same. He wasn't he wasn't ransomwareing uh, Nintendo, but uh, you know it it was certainly uh, an example of a of, of a threat actor, you know, extracting data for you know for personal personal gain. Right. But by the way, that story was pretty crazy because the uh, the FBI actually uh, several years ago apparently went to this guy's house and said, "You know what? We know you're hacking Nintendo. Please stop." <laughs> okay. And then and then he didn't. 
And then they, it's, rare, it's rare that you'll get a please stop from the feds. For then, stop. And then they arrested him and found child porn on his computer. Oh, see. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's never good. Oh, God. <laughs> you know, criminals sometimes are real idiots. Uh, yeah, there's a special level of hell for the child porn guys. Oh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway, they, I mean, they they tend to they tend to cluster in that regard. So, anyhow, that that um, that is the slate of stories for today. Anything else that you would like to cover, Mister Callet? Um, not that immediately comes to mind. You know, it's I'm still kind of getting back in the swing of things, so I'm not as aggressive in my data gathering but next couple of weeks i you know short story long i'm i'm doing great and health is great and i'm working and but uh you know it's funny how it takes a little time to ramp up so i don't have too much more to add just yet but i will i I can i can only imagine (laughs) i mean i know you know what it's like after you know a long vacation jeez It, it, it can feel like a you know, impossible to get back into the groove. So I'm, I'm sure you're. Uh, well, well, yeah, and I, you know, I don't want to disclose anything confidential about the workplace, but it's, um, it's an interesting experience. I'll put it that way, and I, I appreciate my employer for, you know, keeping me on and allowing me to come back and, and working with me through a really crazy situation. Yeah, that, but that is uh, good. You know, aside from that, no, um, thanks again to our Patreon donors. I know we don't say that enough. And uh, we're going to be pretty active, I think, at some conferences this year. So hopefully we'll get to see some people in in person. Absolutely. All right. Well, everyone have a great week. We'll talk again soon. Take care. Take care. Bye. Bye. Bye.